Welcome to Mishmash. This is Mish Hancock, where I get to hang out and meet the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world and people that I want to learn more about. And today our guest is Dan Duffy. Dan is a filmmaker, author, speaker, co-founder of The Half Fun, and accidental activist. Welcome, Dan. Thank you very much. And I'm, I'm just going to apologize right off the bat for the low baritone. Um, so it actually sounds like I'm I'm talking like a slowed down tape. So <laughs> I apologize. I don't know. I kind of like it. Thanks. I guess it's got an appeal to it's it. It's kind of smoky. Yeah, kind of yeah. cool. Kind of, you know, hey, mis- mystery man. Right. It's, it's really just kind of coldy. I apologize. <laughs> well, we're going to unlock the mysteries. We're going to tell everybody about you today. Um, I want to first thank you for sending over to me your TEDx talk. Uh, As a huge, of course, TEDx fan that I am, I was so thrilled when I saw that you had done a TEDx talk in in Sarasota. It was, and it was was truly... a blind pig finding a truffle. I mean, like I was never <laughs> supposed to be able to do because I'd never given a talk in my life. And I have a friend named Wayne Elsie, and Wayne was a man who started an organization called Souls for Souls, and and that was actually born from the tsunami when he was watching everything unfold in front of him, and he saw a little kid's shoe wash up on shore. And Wayne was a shoe exec, and he said, "I think I can do something about that." And within a couple of months, had 200,000 pairs of shoes heading to that part of the world. And then he went back to work. Oh and then Katrina gosh. hit the next year. And he said, wait a second, this is this is a God wink, right. basically. So he started Souls for Souls and put shoes on all these kids. And, and like 27 million people got a pair of shoes that had never had a pair of shoes by the time he was finished. Holy cow. And I got to film some of his stuff because I'm a video producer. I had to film some of his stuff in Haiti, and it was amazing. And we became friends, and he was in talks because he lives in Orlando. He was in talks to actually give a TEDx talk. And apparently at the meeting with the lady, Judy Winslow, he said, by the way, I've got two or three other people that would be dynamic at giving talks, and I was one of the people that he brought up to her. And uh, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. That is awesome. That's an awesome thing to fall into your lap, right? Oh my! But was, you have to work for it. It was a total Cinderella moment. It really was. And because I had never given a talk before, especially on that kind of scale, I was really, really nervous. And with TEDx, of course, they they set you up with people to kind of help bring your story out, to help you craft it, because you're given anywhere from nine to eighteen minutes, and my my block was eleven, and I had eleven minutes to get out everything I possibly could. But to make it relevant and to make it interesting and, and funny and poignant, and uh, I wanted to take you on a roller coaster from beginning to end. And uh, the gentleman that worked with me, Jerry Jordan, it was one of he brought it out in me. I never knew I could tell a story like that, but he's the one who opened that door. That's and and you did it. I mean, that's the thing. You know, when people say something falls in your lap. It's one thing for something to fall in your lap, but then you actually have to make it happen. And I loved your talk. Oh, I loved thank it. you. It was a great journey. I totally teared up, you know, and, and and would you talk to the point where everybody is going to cry when they see this part of the TED Talk? Oh, so I'm a cancer survivor. And one of the things that I, I wanted to do after my experience, because I always thought it was a pretty blind experience. I never really knew what was coming. And then when it was all over, I kind of had my answers. I just didn't know the questions at first, but I but I had all these answers, and I said, I really want to help people, and I kind of became sort of fearless of looking at cancer, and 
what happened, a friend of mine named Richard called me and he said, can I borrow your video camera? I said, sure, what's going on? And he said, I have a friend named Deb and Deb's about to die. And I mean, that was just a punch in the gut. And I said, okay, well, you know, video camera? You know, I'm kind of wondering where this was going. And he said, she wants to say goodbye to her daughter, Abby. So I said, if you want me to shoot this, I'm, I'm happy to go with you. And we ended up going to Deb's house and she didn't know me from Adam. She was very, very uncomfortable. Um, here's a stranger and she's supposed to open up like this. So, um, for the first half, she kind of just read stuff from the baby book, like stuff that her daughter could read. Right. And, um, she said, I need a break. But, but in that first half, she said, you know, and, and then Abby, we went to go see Dr. Needles and Dr. Burt Needles was my oncologist. So when she took a break to have someone get her a glass of water, I just kind of quietly went up to her and I said, you know, Dr. Needles was my oncologist I'll too. I'll be darn. And her, she got immediately animated because then it was, I wasn't just a stranger. I was someone who not only knew, but really knew. That connection. Part, part of her story. And like that, the floodgates opened, the books went away, and she ended up giving her daughter some of the most amazing advice I have ever heard in my life. And one of them was, and Abby, don't forget pennies from heaven. Whenever you see a penny on the ground, pick it up. I've left it there for you. And at that minute, everybody in the room, her friends, my friend Richard, myself, we were all looking away just absolutely sobbing. Uh. But what made it really tough is then we have this footage and I bring it back to my office. We have to get this edited before she dies. Oh, my gosh. Because she is rapidly declining. So I'm right in the middle of this very, very hard part. And my facilitator, my talk facilitator for TEDx, Jerry, gives me a call. Now, Jerry's really hard to get a hold of. So whenever he calls, I kind of have to take it. Now, I've been audibly sobbing into my hands, you know, right before he calls. And I'm like, hello? He said, Dan, what's wrong? And I unloaded on him for three minutes. And uh, he goes, Dan, that's your ending. I'll be darned. Right there. That's your ending. And I reached out to, to Deb and I said, can I use this? And she agreed. And we were able to get it edited. And she saw it. And she loved it. And it was a Friday. And two days later, she died. Oh, my gosh. And it's an amazing gift. It, it was an, an amazing gift, gift that she gave not only to her daughter, but to you and to the world. She really did give that gift to the world. And anytime anyone has ever heard that story, whether I've told it or someone has actually watched the talk, I'll actually get an email or a text and it'll be, I saw a penny today and I totally thought of Deb. She continues to touch lives. It's amazing. It's so significant. And I would highly recommend that people check out your TED talk. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, it, it was, it's, a, it's an amazing talk. Um, you, you present an amazing journey. And then, you know, the, the whole idea of Deb and what it, it was, it just, it's, it's, was a very significant talk. I mean, I watched it yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh my God. Uh, I appreciate it. And I was speaking with some, some real world changers um, as far as, as who I got to share the stage with. And I was honestly just trying to keep up. I mean, that, that's, that's really all it is. So being involved, as I am, mm-hmm. with TEDx Gateway Arch, I will tell you, you the, those people that show up on stage, you many times I'm going, well, you're like super genius person. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> oh, you built a rocket ship yesterday. I see. Out of, you know? out of household appliances. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I mean, it, there's the, you know, but I do believe that um, 
I really do believe everyone has a TED Talk in them. So, you know, if, you get, if you're given that opportunity and you can work with your facilitator, I think that everyone really does have that talk. But, but bringing out the best in you, mm-hmm. you know, that's the whole deal. So and the kudos best, to you. Thank you. And the best talks that I've actually seen are the ones that relate. Mm-hmm. Sure, there are some of the most brilliant talks, but if if you can't relate to them in some way personally, and it has to be a personal relation, right? Um, and and if if you can't relate to that, sometimes they can be, you know, you're watching greatness, but you can't quite imbibe it fully, right? Exactly. Yeah, so, that's why they have such a mix. Oh, so absolutely. So that you can really, because because some people will be attracted to some talks. I mean, we see the surveys, and it's interesting because some people are like, I didn't like this talk and that talk at all, but I liked these talks. Mm-hmm. Then other people rave about the talks the other person didn't like. Absolutely. So you have a good mix and then, you know, everybody gets something from it. Yeah. I always tell people, go to the TED Talk site, type in your your whatever you want to know mm-hmm. and somebody's done a talk about it. And it really is uh, quite a testament to just how different we all are and yet how similar we all are. We're all different with what we like and, and what we don't, but yet we're all there together to try get something out of it. Well, thanks for that story. And we're going to take a break, Dan. Uh, Let the radio station do their thing. We'll be back in just a moment with Mishmash and Dan Duffy. Get raw with chaos on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. at studiocradio.com. Okay, and welcome back to Mishmash. I am talking to Dan Duffy. Um, you know, one of the things you said is you described yourself as an accidental activist. And I love that. You didn't you didn't say to yourself, I'm going to go be an activist. Mm-mm. But because of life events, you became an activist. Will you talk to that? Sure. Um, I'm one of those firm believers that nothing happens just by accident. I really do try find the the meaning behind certain things and really kind of everything big especially. And if you look at my life, I really should not be here. When I was 25, um, I was driving home and I was hit from behind by a car that had slowed down to 105 miles an hour before oh. impact. And I, was, I ended up being thrown out of my Jeep at 60 miles an hour on Interstate 70. And the only thing that happened to me was a slight concussion and a partially dislocated hip. I walked away from it, completely wow. walked away from wow. it. Wow. In fact, one of the people that had seen the entire thing came and looked at me standing on the shoulder of 70 and then went and looked in the car because they sweared they had just seen my ghost. Oh, my goodness. So, and then when I got cancer, that wasn't enough to actually kick my rear end. Then I got cancer and it was stage three. And it's really funny. As soon as I got the diagnosis, I remember looking up and I said, okay, I think you've got my attention now. And at that point, I started to think, okay, there's, this is not random. I, I need to be doing something. I just don't know what it is. And by the time my head cleared from the fog of all the chemotherapy, and there was a ton of chemotherapy, I kind of asked myself, what the hell happened? And then I realized, wait a second. So many people have gone through what I've gone through, and no one talks to us because we don't know the right questions or we don't look to find the answers. And so when I talk about becoming an accidental activist, by thinking, by trying to find the meaning, I realized, wait a second, I can't just help myself. I can help others. Right. And maybe if we get a group of people that have been through the same thing, we can affect change or at least give voice to so many people who don't even know what to say. 
And so the whole accidental activist means I did not start out my life to become an activist. I, I, I started it, you know, to live a good life and to do the best that I could and maybe leave the world a better place than I found it. But then when cancer kind of came calling, I realized, okay, this is it. And what's amazing to me, there's such a lesson in this um, that I talk about the universe a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and so so the universe has a way of, you know, putting something in front of us. And if we don't pay attention, the universe will tap on your shoulder again and get louder and louder until you go, okay, okay, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> got, true. all right, I got it, you yep. know? Um, and so many times we feel like we're being attacked when really it's just a loving way of helping us with our growth and, and putting us on purpose. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a firm believer um, that life is a perpetually forward-moving proposition. And any time that you focus on the things behind you, life is still, life is not stopping to let you look behind you. It's going to keep moving. And if you're not looking out where you're going, you're going to hit things. Right. So what you have to do is you have to be able to bring what's behind you into the foreground and, and affect a change that way. Well, and what did you do? What did you start? So, oh my God, what did I start? <laughs> oh my. It was, it, no, it wasn't me. It was uh, my partner, Joe Farmer, in, in this. We started an organization called The Half Fund. And our goal is to help tell people stories about cancer. And that's through movies and books and documentaries and music. And the way it's set up, all of our net profits get split in half half to any cancer charity of the artist's choice, and half then comes back to us where we give it away again. So it's a self-regenerating fund. Now, originally, we wanted to do a film. And while we're really good at telling stories, we are really awful fundraisers, and films are very, very expensive. <laughs> yes. So what happened was a couple of a couple of years ago, someone reached out to us and said, hey, is there any way you could help me publish a book? And I said, well, yeah, that's within our mandate. Absolutely. So they sent it, and I read it, and I was like, mm, like I'm, this is, I'm way out of my league here. Okay. I said, you know, I've got my own thoughts, but this could be Shakespeare, and I just don't know it. So I ended up reaching out to a girl named Amy Markscores. Now, Amy is the one who wrote the book Powered by Hope with Terry Grieg. Oh. Terry Grieg, of course, at 51, got diagnosed yeah, with stage 4 colorectal amazing. cancer. I love Terry. And then ran the Kona Ironman six mm-hmm. months later. So... I reached out to Amy, and as she's looking at this, she goes, well, what about your book? I said, <laughs> you got to be silly and crazy to write a book. No offense. Like, I blog. I've been blogging for having to post for about three years. And she said, Dan, the first book I ever wrote was nothing but a collection of blogs strung together. And it was like an epiphanal moment. I said, really? She said, yeah, just treat it like that. So I ended up, I wrote a book in a month. And what, Oh, my but, gosh. But what I did was I treated each chapter like nothing but an extended blog. Exactly. That's really all it was. And it wasn't about running the marathon, having to run all 26 miles at once. It was it was mile by mile by mile. And and that's how I ended up writing it. And the book is called The Half Book. He's taking his ball and going home. Guess what type of cancer I had. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, I have a question cuz when I um when I saw the book and I love I love book covers. Mhm. 
So, and this is so weird. I had been thinking about kites not too long ago. I was thinking to myself, when I was a kid, we always flew kites and you don't see kids flying kites. Not very often. And I used to always see kites, you know, you saw them stuck in the trees everywhere. Sure. Right? And I haven't seen that in a while. And I was thinking, isn't that weird that I haven't seen a kite stuck in a tree in a while? And then I look at your book cover (laughs) and I was like, okay, wow, there must be something in this that I must ask. So tell me about the cover. Everything is very, very intentional, and I really did fight for my cover artist. He's a man named Dave Cutler, and he used to do art for St. Louis Magazine. In fact, St. Louis Magazine, Jeanette Cooperman did a really nice piece on us in 2011. And the day before the article came out, she gave me a call, and she said, don't be mad at the art. Which, what do you Hmm. say to that? I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. She goes, I think I know who you are. So... I get the magazine the next day and I open it up and it's a guy staring at two beach balls and one of them is entirely deflated. And I said, oh, that uh. is awesome. <laughs> so the the art, it's it's for those of you who can't see it right in front of you, it's, it's a tree and offshooting from the tree are two main branches. And on one side, there's this perfect foliage. And on the other side, it's just branches with dead leaves. So that signifies... Of course, there's something wrong with the left side. Right. And then you see a man trying to pull the kite out of the tree, and the kite is right in the middle of the branches. And the kite represents the core where the cancer started from the left side, and the man trying to pull it out by any means necessary. Right. So everything is very, very intentional with the cover. I love that. Thank you. I love that. I, and I and I had a feeling there must have been because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't think the universe would have put that little thought in my head about kites just a few days ago. <laughs> no, and I love kites. I don't want people to think, you know, like kite equals cancer. Well, it of course not. <laughs> but, of course not. But uh, it was just a really nice little piece of art that could signify everything. And when you read the book... Um, by the end of it, then you look at the cover and you're like, okay, now I really now I totally know it. what this makes sense. Yeah, So interesting. And I mean, and, and book covers are important. I think that a lot of people make a decision on buying a book based on the cover. You know what? We're always told you should never judge a book by the cover, but we all judge books by the cover. <laughs> it's the first thing we do. I wanted someone to actually look at the cover and say, what the hell is that? And then... The second thing we judge it by is what's on the back cover. So we're not even right. looking at the front. We're looking at the back. We want the synopsis. We're like, what's this kind of thing that we're talking about? And if you read the back, the first thing you read is he got the job, he got the girl, he got the diagnosis. Son of a... And that's that lays out the whole feeling of exactly. this book. It's that's irreverent. It's raw. Profound. It's emotional. It's... Uh, it really takes you into the bowels of hell and the highest highs of what it's like to go through cancer. And um, I want it to make you laugh. I want it to make you think. And I want it to make you unafraid to the point to where if someone says, I have cancer, I don't want you to say, I'm sorry. I want you to say, what kind? And then engage the person. Right. And let them tell their story. And that's what's going to make them feel the most normal. I love it. Awesome stuff. Thanks. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Dan Duffy. Today's show is sponsored by Elizabeth Smith with Remax Results, Liz Sells STL. Her background is in service, so her goal is to serve others and ease you through the big process of buying or selling a home. You can find Liz at 314-807-3659. 
And we're back with Dan Duffy. Dan, one of the things I love to do is ask people just kind of outside-the-box type questions. Go for it. May I ask you? Absolutely. Um, If cancer were a song, who would sing it? (laughs) (laughs) And feel free to take creative license with these questions. (laughs) I think Shane McGowan, the lead singer from uh, the... Pogues, maybe? The, uh, oh. he, he's the guy who's like, yes, you know, like it's so freaking raw. <laughs> like I would I would pick Shane McGowan. I love it. Okay, that was like the perfect answer. Who, by the way, just got teeth. Like, oh, I don't did know, he? He did. Like it was funny because if you ever see Shane McGowan, he's got like if you had a ten dollar bill and offered him a dollar for every tooth he had in that melon, you get a lot of change. <laughs> And he was so afraid of dentists. I mean, like, this guy's probably done more drugs than Pakistan. And uh, and he was so afraid of the dentist. And then, like, a dentist convinced him, like, no, we can do this. And apparently, there's a documentary all about Shane McGowan getting teeth. Really? And it's supposed to be amazing. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to look it. I have to look it up now. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's on Netflix. I'll see. And then I'll call you. Sweet. <laughs> um, okay, my next question is... If you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be? Oh, my dog, the one I already have. His name is Bear. And we got him when he was 10 months old. Um, My wife and I, right before we got married, we got Bear. And he turns 14 on St. Patrick's Day. And there's there's literally not another animal alive I would rather have than him. He's what kind most, of dog is he? He's an Aussie cattle dog mix, and he's brindle, and he's just sweet and loving. In fact, we met him 20 minutes after he'd been snipped, and he was still friendly. And I'm like, that's my that's dog. That's awesome. Although, it's here's a bad thing. So my wife and I have two boys, and, of course, Bear's been snipped, and I've been half snipped. And when my wife Stephanie was pregnant with each of our boys, she goes, you know, technically I have more balls than you. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks, honey. I love you, I love you. Yes, exactly. I love you, babe. I really do. (laughs) Is there, I have another weird question. Okay. Is there an app that we're missing? What app, I mean, they say there's an app for everything, but what what app would you just really like to see for your phone? Oh, um, I'd kind of like... like one that could actually provide scent, like, like <laughs> smell around theater or smell around app. I love that oh, because that's awesome. so many of our memories are built around smells. Yes. So every now and again, like if I'm driving by the brewery, it actually reminds me of Ireland where I was born because Ireland smells like a combination of bus exhaust, brewery, and green. And in Ireland, green is an actual scent. It's not just a really? color. Yeah, you, can, you can't like help it. but smell it. So, And that's what the whole country smells like. Oh, and fire. Like someone's always burning peat <laughs> bricks in the summertime even. It's it's crazy. It smells so good. So, um, so yeah, I would I would like an app that provides smell like anytime you want it. Like and a you know, they, that one. was like, I mean, I remember a long time ago, somebody was talking about that, how they were going to come out with something that would be like a scent that could come from your computer. And it's been talked about, but no one has ever been able to figure it out. They can't even come up with really good fake scents. Like for instance, <laughs> oh, that's when, so true. <laughs> when, 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 think about any time you've ever smelled a realistic fake banana scent. No. You can't pull it off. No. And banana candy never tastes like banana. Oh, it's something, it's they awful. do something weird with, well, and strawberry. Yeah. No one can seem to get a real strawberry scent out there. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Absolutely terrible. But wouldn't that be cool? You think about it, because 
one of the things I think is so interesting is how like my daughter is going to have, she can go back in her Facebook newsfeed mm-hmm. and see her from very young, you know, like have this whole, like, this is my life, right? Sure, absolutely. Well, wouldn't it be cool if you could put sense along with that? <laughs> oh my gosh, it would be amazing. <laughs> Facebook sense. <laughs> Facebook sense. I'm going to give Mark a call. Get going, Zuckerberg. <laughs> Seeming that is so awesome. Mm-hmm. So, do you use social media at all? Are you a social I media do. fan? I love social media. I have to tell you, I am, and, and maybe this will age me a little bit, considering. But I'm a huge fan of Facebook. I love it. Facebook's too. my favorite. Mine too. Um, I never, I never get enough said in Twitter, um, and I think Twitter can sometimes be a little bit impersonal. But you can now. You know, Twi- Twitter is going to ten thousand characters. That was last I heard. I know. Wow. Yeah. I, now I like I like the idea of 140 because it forces us to be succinct. Because too yes. many of us, present company completely included, <laughs> have diarrhea of the mouth, where like you just keep talking and talking and talking, and Twitter does kind of force you. It's like uh, it's like the Paul Harvey of social media. No one told a story as brilliantly as Paul Harvey. He could tell you everything that happened, everything pertinent within three sentences. Really? He was the best of the best. Do you think that's why he talks so slow? That's why I couldn't listen to Paul Harvey because he was too slow of a talker for me. But (laughs) he could say in three sentences what other people could say in seven. Okay, I have to revisit it then. He's so great. You know, and then page three, he's he's fantastic. (laughs) I loved Paul Harvey. Um, So... 10,000 characters in Twitter. That's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be weird. I'm not quite sure if it's going to work or not. And I'm not a fan of Instagram. And I don't know why I'm not a fan of Instagram. But see, with Facebook, I like a one-stop shop. I like to be able to say something. I like to be able to check in because we used to check in on Foursquare. And, right. And, uh, and, and then you used to use Instagram for pictures. I like being able to do the entire thing in one fail swoop. Gotcha. It makes things easier. And, you know, who's got time for like four and five and six? My last name is not Kardashian. <laughs> All, I just want one. Nor will you get paid for the kind of tweets that she gets paid. It's a crazy amount of money she gets paid for for each tweet. And really, does anybody really pay attention? Like if she said, use Lancome, is anybody going to go out and buy Lancome because what? she said... Unfortunately, I think they do, which like not in our circle of people, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we think it's so bizarre. I mean, I look at it and go, I don't, I didn't even know who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I kept seeing pictures of her, you know, you're at the checkout at the grocery store. I kept, I thought she was some actress that was going to show up in a movie somewhere. Mm-hmm. And finally, when I figured out what was really going on, I'm like, that's weird and disturbing to me. Famous for being famous. Yeah. Just weird and disturbing. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, you know what? I'd like to see them do, like, they have so much fame. I'd love to see them make a difference with that kind of fame. Yeah. I mean, a big a big difference. And, and I think, I, I love when celebrities do that, like when they get to that place where they, like Bono, mm-hmm. right? Oh, big time. You know, who's like, wow, I have been given this gift of great fame and fortune, and now I will do something awesome with it. Absolutely. And it was, and in reality, it was kind of started by an Irishman named Bob Geldof. Who, oh, I remember Bob Geldof. So in 1982, he was watching what was going on in Ethiopia. Like it was like a Save the Children. He was in Ireland watching this, and he said, wait, something has to be done. Next thing you know, he got all his bandmates together, and they pulled off Feed the World. Right. By band What was his band? Why can't I think of it? Oh, the Boomtown Rats. That's right. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. Were they the I Don't Like Mondays band? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's about, <laughs> I want to say that's about either suicide or school shooting. It's one of the two. Really? Yeah. If you read the, if you read the lyrics, that's a really heavy song. That's amazing to me. And I'm I'm terrible with knowing what people are saying half the time. And I make up my own lyrics when I'm singing things. So they, the, the, the slang term for that is chronic lyricosis. Yes, I have that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I usually have to ask my daughter, I'm like, what are they saying? Yeah, like in Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, <laughs> the girl as Kaleidos goes by. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, there's so many things. We, there was one that my daughter and I were... She listens to all the pop kind of things. And there was something about a woman going, I thought she was saying, I'm living in sexy heaven. But that's not what she was saying. <laughs> but that's what I was singing. And then finally my daughter's like, well, who lives in sexy heaven? I'm like, um, Victoria's Secret Angels, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and I still do it. Like for uh, that song, Blank Space by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Got a lot of Starbucks lovers. I know. I'm like, that's what exactly. The hell? I'm like, still, I'm like, man, Starbucks totally lucked out on this I know. song. And then, and then my <laughs> wife goes, Dan, it's I got a long list of ex lovers. I'm going, no, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Well, tell us one quick thing that you would just like to end with. Uh, one quick thing is. Um, First of all, my life is an embarrassment of riches, so I just want to thank you for giving me a platform and an opportunity to speak. And secondly, um, we really all do have a story, and and even if you don't think you have a story, you do, and it's interesting, and you may just not quite know how to tell it, but if you want to tell your story, confide in someone, say, look, I, I kind of want to get this out. And and thanks to technology, there's blogs, there's there's video blogging, there's there's all sorts of ways to do it. Just talk. Don't bottle it up. Let it out. It's, it's absolutely worth it. It'll change your life. Absolutely. Love it. Dan Duffy, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate your time. This was a ball, no pun intended. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Mishmash, and we'll see you next time. Thank you all. This episode is sponsored by Once Upon an Occasion, talent at its best to entertain your guests. Invite your favorite character or have vocalists attend your next event. Check them out at team.ouao at gmail.com or teamouao.wix.com. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. for Sexy Thoughts with Lindsay Walden.